following is an encore episode of the Biz Tools Podcast. Any email addresses, web URLs, or other time-specific information may no longer apply. Please visit davidaspect.com for more information. Thanks for listening. This is David Specht, President of Biz. In each episode of the Biz Tools Podcast, we ask you to rate us on iTunes. Now, we have made it easier than ever. Just enter biztoolspodcast.com slash iTunes in your web browser, and it will take you to our page in iTunes. There, you can rate us. For Stitcher radio users, go to biztoolspodcast.com slash Stitcher to rate us there. Thank you for listening. Now, on to this week's episode. Biz Tools Podcast, Episode 15. Welcome to the Biz Tools Podcast, practical advice for today's busy business leader. And now, your hosts, David Speck and Jerry Frentress. Welcome to the Biz Tools Podcast. I'm Jerry Frentress, and, and I'm David Specht. And we are your hosts for these episodes of the Biz Tools Podcast. Spelled B I Z. B I Z. David. What are the topics for today? I'm not glad you said what are the topics for today because today is book club day. If some of our um, listeners remember, we've done a book club about a month ago sharing some of our favorite business and leadership books. And today we're going to share a few more with our audience. And my hope is that those of you who are listening really get something out of this because I'm not a reader naturally. And if I'm recommending a book, it really had to speak to me. It had to be something that I resonated with that really uh, I got into. Because I'll tell you, I've started more books than I can count, and I've finished very few of them. Understand. So So what's your first book? My first book is an, I would guess you would call it an oldie but a goodie because it was actually written in 1999. It's called Who Moved My Cheese by Spencer Johnson. Jerry, are you familiar with this book? Yes. I had a, um, I worked in a radio station that got sold and the, the manager came in and he said, we sold the radio station and, and he brought in a big uh, box full of books called, well, that one there, Who Moved My Cheese? And we were all told to read the book. Not that you have to be sold for going through that kind of transition. It's just to understand that things change and they're changing all the time and you need to be aware that your cheese is being moved. Yes, and one of my favorite things about the book is that it's short. I was <laughs> able to read it in one sitting. That so so those it's of fun. you who don't read, this is a great place to start because it's an engaging book and it's not something my dad and I kind of have this bad habit of anytime we would get a new book, the first thing we would do is open the back end of the book and see how many pages we have to get through to get to the end. And sometimes it was too daunting of an idea to go through a five or 600 page book. And so just to give you a, a little example, this book has 96 pages. And again, I started it one morning and I finished it probably an hour, hour and a half into it. Um, the, the other part about the book that I like, and we've talked about this before, is that it's a parable. Yes. It's not a set of precepts with backup information or uh, quote after quote after quote. It's a story, and the, and, the, and the story unfolds, and it teaches the life lesson or the business lesson as a result of the story. Now, this story is really cute because it's a, talking about 
some mice, and two little people. The mice's names are Sniff and Scurry, and the little people's names are Him and Haw. And the whole premise of the story is they live in a maze, and every day they go and find this cheese, and it's in this same position. They know exactly where to go. The little people got so comfortable with where the cheese was, they begin to build their homes closer to the cheese. They they begin to 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 you know make it easy. They got even a little lazy because the cheese was always there, and then one day it's gone. And the story unfolds then on how mm. each of the four of these characters deal with the cheese that has been gone. And I thought it, I knew all the answers. I, I, you know, I kind of pegged the whole story before I read it because I'd heard other people talk about it. But what was funny is each one of the characters, whether you were one of the mice or the little people, you could identify yourself in one of the characters and know that your, your general uh, tendencies followed one of these characters. And so it was really kind of fun to, to, to see myself in the story. And I'm seeing you across this table in the biz studio, opulent, uh, beautiful place. And he's also, he's holding the book and he's weighing it like he's, he's holding it up and down <laughs> like this. And I think that's another way to, to figure out if you want to read this book or not. You take it off the shelf and you're going, well, this, this, this feels like it's about a couple hour read or something. Mm -hmm. And it's, it goes by, goes by quickly and it's fun. Uh, and as you said, Dave, I can uh, put myself in, into one of these characters as they scurry about trying to figure out who moved my cheese. And now, what do I do? What do I do? And that, you know, you would think that the story would be the, the, the adventures that each of the characters take finding the new cheese. But that's not it at all. It's dealing with the loss of the cheese and what do you do now? And, and one of the character, two of the characters were very slow moving in deciding it was time to go find new cheese. As a matter of fact, not to give it away, but one of the characters never gets away. They, he becomes offended that, that somebody would dare move his cheese. He was entitled to have his cheese right where it was and how dare somebody take it away from him. And, and in my business, and, and we talk about the newspaper industry a lot on this podcast, but in my business, the cheese is being moved. And, and there's a lot in the industry that take that, well, you know, bless God, my, you know, newspapers are going to make it or newspapers are going to always be. I can't answer whether or not that's going to be the case. And so as a leader, as a business leader, as an entrepreneur, uh, you know, I have to come to grips with the fact that the market changes and what was may not always be in the same form that it always was. And so having that, you know, it wasn't a revelation, but having that light bulb turned back on again had me take a step back at my own business and say, okay, what if the cheese moved? What do I need to do? What do we need to do as a company? What do we need to do as individuals if the cheese <clears throat> moves? How do we move to where the cheese is? How do we take advantage? How do we strike where the iron's hot? That, that's a phrase I use a lot of. And, you know, I am very tempted and there's people surrounding the studio that will roll their eyes, but I'm very tempted to make this book required reading of all my team members. It's not going to take a lot of their time, but the, the, the revelation that comes with the idea of understanding who moved the cheese, is, I think is important for anybody in business. And you have to accept, I think I have to accept the fact that the cheese is going to be moved. Mm-hmm. 
is moving almost every day, all the time. Things are changing. You never know how this is going to go, but you have to be prepared. And I think that's a, the big part of the story. Uh, that sale I talked about, I was in the radio business at the time. I worked for a one-person owner of the radio station. And in it, within a year, it went from one company to another and to another, and it was the largest company in the world. Mm. And they owned a bunch of radio stations. And it was a major corporate structure all of a sudden. It used to be I could pick up the phone and call the one owner. As long as we sent him money, as long as we sent him money, it was okay. <laughs> and, and then it was a, a much different situation. Well, and the audio industry altogether, you know, you think about, let, let's go back to the days of records and then eight tracks and then cassettes and then CDs and then MP3s and now streaming audio and you know, the same with radio, you know, you had over the air radio and then uh, everybody thought, well, XM and Sirius are going to take that away. And then XM and Sirius start struggling because there's podcasts and, and uh, Pandora streaming radio and internet radio. The market changes technology and, and other forces change, you know, where the cheese is. And it's the companies that I think embrace that change or at least acknowledge it are the ones that are going to survive and thrive in the long in the long haul. Absolutely. We have to look for it to change, expect it to change, and then be ready to ride it. I think the, the, the companies, uh, even individually, in your pri private personal life, as well as in the business community, you have to be, you ha I think you have to anticipate that it's going to happen. Yes. And I, I can either sit down like one of the characters in that book and say, I'm offended that somebody has moved my cheese and I'm upset now. Or you got to be someone who's wearing a little running suit and little running <laughs> shoes, <laughs> like in the story, and prepared to run and look for new cheese. Or where did they put the cheese? Or what, what? What? What can we do? And do it with a positive attitude. Yes, I think that's the key. Is, is don't things are always going to change. In some places, it may be slower change than others, but change always happens. If there, I heard somebody say, if there's one constant in the world, it's change. Mm -hmm. You can pretty much count on it. And the the quicker you learn to, and, and I get it. I, you know, I, I'm a, I like status quo in a lot of ways. I like, you know, knowing exactly how things are supposed to work. And when, the, when something changes, that's unexpected to me, it does throw me back a little bit. And I do kind of have to catch my breath and take a step back and realize, okay, what do we do now? But one of the things that the story also brought to light was, Sometimes going and finding new cheese, you end up finding better cheese. And we've got to remember that too, is that with every challenge, there's an opportunity for improvement. And if we, if we go after it, or if we at least explore trying to find it, many times we'll find something better than what we wanted to hold on to all along. Good book. It's economical. It's small. It doesn't, as David's already demonstrated here for me, it doesn't weigh very much at all. It won't take a mushroom on your shelf. And it's a great investment for someone, uh, as I said in my, my case, he had a copy since we were being sold. He had a copy of this book that he gave to every employee so they could get started on the process of looking what, what the cheese was and where did it go and not to be upset about it. But let's, let's go find new cheese. 
Now, for all of our listeners, you can go to the show notes of, of this episode and find links to all of the books that we are discussing today and be able to order them from Amazon, whether you want them in book form or if you want them in the ebook form for your Kindle or, or whatever. So, so if you're not somewhere where you can take notes, just go to our show notes and the, all of these will be linked there. Now, Jerry, what book have you brought to okay, us today? Okay, I brought back. I brought back one that I shared the other time that we did this uh, about books. It's uh, probably my favorite book that I recommend to business people, people in any kind of business, and we're talking about service. We're talking about loyalty. We're talking about getting the client to come back to us. It is, as we all should know, it is easier, it's faster, and it's cheaper to keep a client, keep a customer, than it is to go out and find a new one. Yes. And so we talk about this a lot. The book is called Raving Fans by Ken Blanchard and Sheldon Bowles. This is real simple. Treat people like they're, they're the best thing since sliced bread, that you want them to come back, that you want them to recommend you. And in the book, he, he, again, it's several uh, very short little stories about different businesses that he has discovered that they have gone the extra step and they're creating raving fans. The one I love the most was a, a guy in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, who decided to get into the taxi business. Now, I don't know about you, but my impression of taxis is not way up there. Right. I worry about if we're going to get there and when I'm going to get all my pants and uh, different <laughs> things like this. In this case, the, the young man decided uh, a lot of people use taxis. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create raving fans. Uh, about the people who, who take the ride from point A to point B. And he had, first of all, he had a beautiful car, not a fancy car, but a four-door vehicle. He cleaned it every day. He polished it every day. He dressed nicely. He opened the door for his passengers. He put the baggage in the, in the trunk himself. You didn't have to do anything. And when you started driving off, he said, thank you for using my service, and as we go, let me tell you about a few things I have for you. Number one, if you want to talk, I'll be happy to chat with you. If you want to read, I have the, today's paper here for whatever city, the Atlanta, whatever, whatever, and the USA Today. Uh, I have several of the current magazines here, so if you'd like to read that while we travel along, that's fine. If you want me to be quiet and you can work back there, I will do that. I have water. I have soda pop. Uh, I have music here. If you like to listen to music, I have country music, I have pop music, I have whatever. And the, the great thing about it that I asked my client after describing to my clients what this guy did with his, his taxi service, I said, what do you think was the conclusion? When you get to point B, what happened? And they all said, oh, a, a tip. And I said, is it a bigger tip or is it a little tip? It's a big tip. And then what do they ask for? His card. His card. They said, I want, to, I want to do this again. I'm coming back at another time. And they um, walk away with his business card, and they say, can I call you and reserve this? And, and of course, he did. And it, it's just a wonderful way to demonstrate you can take the steps. You can determine that I am going to be, we are going to be the best, and we're going to create, if we can, develop raving fans and those raving fans will do wonderful things for us. They will do 
recommendations, referrals, bigger tips, more business, continued business. It's just a wonderful process. And it's a, it too is a little lightweight book. It doesn't weigh very much. It's small, it's entertaining, and it comes, the uh, little paragraphs or uh, little uh, chapters, I mean, are very brief and fun and gives you this feeling like, I can do that. One of the things that, and I remember you teaching this in a customer service seminar to my team here, and what really kind of came on as a light bulb for me during the presentation was thinking about waiters and waitresses. I can tell you over the years, I have gone to places that the food was mediocre, but the waiter or waitress was outstanding. And I would go back and I would go back, not because I enjoyed the food so much, but I enjoyed being taken care of so much. And the reverse is true too. I've been in a restaurant where the, the salads were great. Right. And the, the waiter, waitress, I can't remember, uh, but the salesperson, I should call them. All right. Uh, delivers the food in a strange way, not the way we ordered it. We wanted to share each salad. And the person said, oh, I, I can tell by the look on your face because <laughs> I didn't uh, appreciate how it came out and pointed back at the kitchen and said, the chef said, <laughs> somebody else said, it's got to come out this way. Well, the salad was, both salads were great. And as my wife and I walked out, we, I leaned over and said, we're never coming back. Mm-hmm. And she said, right. The food was great. The service was terrible. Let, let me tell you a story. I had a, I had a wow moment, if you will. Uh, Your back favorite on Friday. word. I love wow. Wow's, wow's my thing. I got a book. <laughs> and uh, Friday night, my wife and I go to this uh, Mexican restaurant in town. I won't tell the name just for just because not everybody's from here. But we, we were kind of going back and forth. We didn't know where we wanted to eat. And, and this restaurant wasn't really known for great food, but we had gotten to the place where we're like, we just need to do something. Let's go. So we walk into this restaurant and there's a hostess and a waiter and, a, and another um, customer sitting there. And the customer's just laughing, laughing, laughing. And um, he says, you've got to get this waiter. He's the best in the whole place. <laughs> And my wife and I look at each other and we're like, okay. So we get seated and just so happens we're in this waiter section. And through the course of the dinner, he did good. I mean, he wasn't like over the top or, or anything, but you know, my, 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 my drink glass didn't get less than half empty before he filled it. And, and he was engaging and all, you know, what you expect. And, but it was at the end after we'd already paid the bill after we, you know, I'd signed the slip, he'd already gotten whatever tip he was going to get. He asked a question. He said, would you like chips and salsa to go? And I thought about it for a minute. We had a little bit of a takeout box and we were going to give the food to our kids. But I looked at my wife and she goes, yeah, sure. So I'm thinking, you know, we're going to get this little, you know, to go box of, of, of chips and maybe a little bit of salsa. The man comes out with, with what looks like a shopping bag. And inside that shopping bag are not one, not two, but three bags of chips and probably three or four cups with lids on them of their salsa. Now, if you think about it, the cost of their company is very, very little. You know, they, they give out chips and salsa all day, you know, at the tables. But as we walked out, holding our big bag of chips and salsa in one hand and our to-go box in the other, my wife and I looked at each other and said, 
you know what? That was amazing. The food was okay, on par with anything else locally, but because of that, we'll probably be back and be back sooner rather than later. It was something, you know, in, almost insignificant in the eyes of the restaurant itself. It didn't cost them hardly anything. But what they did is they created an experience that we would remember in a positive way. And I think that's how you create that raving fan. It doesn't mean you have to give away the farm. It doesn't mean you have to, to, to bend over backwards to the place where it hurts. All we're telling you to do is exceed somebody's expectations. Exactly. And you don't, in this day and age, because expectations are so low, well, you don't have to exceed them by much. No. And, and that's how you create a raving fan. And I've told that story since Friday at least three times. Great. Mine was an, my uh, best story was in a restaurant also, Italian, in a uh, city with a major university. And they hired, apparently hired uh, students from the university. And uh, at the end of, they're, they're noted for having someone sing opera in it Italian and it, sing happy birthday. Mm -hmm. And so we're sitting next to another table that had uh, parents and two really young kids. And the, the waitress, we had the same waitress. The waitress stopped there to give him, the man, the gentleman, his ticket. And she said to the kids, what's your favorite song from Disney? And they came up with something. And then she broke into song Oh wow! as loud as, as it could be. And she's singing the song and the kids are rolling back and forth. And, and dad is sitting there with the check with his pen and I could tell his, <laughs> it, it's like I wanted, you could see his hand just going up and up bigger and, and the tip became, I'm sure, very nice. So she came over to our table and I'm playing the, I'm the resident old guy. And so I <clears throat> give her my old guy look and I said, well, what about us? And she said, w can we get a song? And she said, sure, what's your favorite Broadway song? And I said, Oklahoma. And she, oh, <laughs> she breaks in there. And my friend was, uh, had the check. <laughs> and he's sitting there going, with a surprise on his face. And the tip just got really big. And it was, didn't cost them anything. Mm -mm. Didn't cost her anything at all uh, to do that. And it paid off. We, we always want to go back there. We recommend it. And I'm telling the story uh, about it. And that's the way it works. If you want a raving fan, just go a little bit over that and go and do something that's not going to cost you a chip or only a few chips and a hot salsa, which I bet wasn't more than 25 cents worth of any of material or food, or someone singing uh, and looking for that extra edge. And you're moving people from being just satisfied. What is satisfied? For me, that's only a five on a scale of one to 10. Mm -hmm. I'm okay. I filled my tummy. I have a full feeling. I'm satisfied. But you go to that, the restaurants we described, man, it's all about that service. And now we want to do business with them more and more. That's what you want for your business. How can, sit down. One of the favorite things I say to people, plan, prepare, and practice. Sit down right now and plan. How can you? How can you and your team raise the level of satisfaction to the raving fan level? What's, what is that? Do we have to sing? Do we need to give chips out, salsa out? Do, what is it going to take for, Some, in your business? And sometimes it's as simple as a thank you note for the business. Right. 
just that simple, handwritten, put it in the mail the day you get the job and let that person know that you appreciated them doing business with you. We're, we're not talking about rocket science here. We're no. not even talking about things that you, that you as the listener don't know. You just have to be, and this is our favorite word lately, intentional about doing it. This is not something you can do by the seat of your pants until you get used to being intentional about creating raving fans. It's going to take some work to remember. My second book is on the same line. I just got it the other day. It's called The How of Wow. And that's David's favorite word or one of his favorite words. And why he gave me the book as soon as he finished it. That's right. And it's it's a wonderfully small, lightweight little book, The How of Wow, and has is full of quotes. The goal as a company is to have the customer service that is not just the best, but legendary by Sam Walton. Yeah, I wow. posted that. He lost he I posted what? that on Facebook after I read it. Yeah. And I had a half a dozen people say, Why Wait. can't Walmart get back to that? <laughs> exactly. Well, it's full of those quotes. And it just, after you read it, you're just, uh, I'm just vibrating with how cool is all this stuff? And, and it's so little, and it's just about the, how do we think, uh, I was talking with a gentleman here a little while ago, and I said, he was talking about a company that he works for, and I said, what are the core values? Which I think I caught him off guard. And what is your core value about clients, about customers, about your people that come into your place of business? What do you want them to think? How do you want them, better yet, to feel? Mm -hmm. And great quote. Uh, I love quotes. I won't remember what you said. I probably won't remember what you did. I will remember how you made me feel. That's right. And these stories that we have just shared with you are like our feelings. It's about people. You're carrying this bag of chips, which you probably can't eat them all. Maybe your sons can. They can. <laughs> carrying these chips back to the house, but you got something for nothing, and it wasn't much. It was just something out of the ordinary, something very special. And you became a raving fan, and you thought, wow, this is very cool. Look what I, look what we got, or I got. Which kind of brings us to, to the, the final book of our episode. Um, and this is a book that I just finished. I actually finished it before I read Who Moved My Cheese, but it, it really falls in line with raving fans and the how of wow. And that book is... Delivering Happiness by Tony Shea. Now, if you're going into Barnes & Noble looking for this book, don't look in the S's. His last name is spelled H-S-I-E-H. -E He's of Asian descent. He is the CEO and partial founder of Zappos. Now, Jerry, are you aware of who oh, Zappos is? You gave me the book, the book of their... Uh, their culture book. Culture book, yeah. Yes, Zappos is, for those of you who do not know and there's very few of you who do not know but zappos is a online shoe fulfillment business you can order shoes of any size any brand you know through them and but they're the shoes are almost a byproduct of who they are yes they're in the shoe business they were started as a shoe business but what they're known for is customer service. They don't want to be good at customer service. They don't want to be great at customer service. They want to be the best at customer service. The, the, the thing that they're most famous for is that on every order, shipping is free, both directions. If you order five pairs of shoes, 
and you only keep one of them or keep none of them, guess what? Shipping is free going back. You didn't pay for shipping either direction. They also do the little extra things. Like sometimes they guarantee delivery within four days, but they'll ship it to you overnight just to surprise you. This whole company's culture is geared around being the very best at customer service. And this book chronicles Zappos to where they became today, but it also dives into the how and the why of the whole customer service culture that they have there. I I, I kind of paralleled my own life with, with, with Tony's. He's a little bit younger than I am, but so a lot of the the worldview references that he has in the book kind of resonates with where I'm at and at my age. But it was really great of how they knew who they were. They knew who they who they wanted to be and they were willing to do anything to make sure that they maintained that. They would, even in the hiring process, they wanted to make sure that people were a good fit for the culture that they had created. And and being customer service oriented was not merely a mantra that was given from the top down. I mean, here's an, here's an idea. If, if you know anything about call centers, one of the things that people are graded on in call centers is how many calls an hour they can take care of. Bang, 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 bang. You know, if you can get them on, get them serviced, get them off the phone, get to the next one. This is, this is how most call centers work. At Zappos, there are no timers. You're allowed to stay on the phone as long as you want. Some people even call into the call center simply because they're lonely. It doesn't happen very often. But what they realize is by taking that little bit of extra time, they create a raving fan that comes back again and again and again and again. They're, they're not, they're, everything is about customer service, wanting that customer not only to, to be satisfied with their dealing with Zappos, but to be wowed by it each and every time. And they give their, their people the power to make things right in a greater measure than most companies probably are comfortable with. But the proof's in the pudding. You know, they were just recent. They were bought by Amazon for some insane amount of money, you know, a few years ago. And part of the deal was that they could stay independent of Amazon. Um, one of the things that I remember as part of the hiring process at Zappos, somewhere in like week four, week five, everybody, no matter what, what position you're in, has to work in the call center for a period of like two to three weeks. That's part of the hiring process, the onboarding process. But another thing they do is they offer people $2,000 to quit. If you don't want to work here, we'll pay you $2,000 to leave. That gets the buy-in. That says, you know what, I really want to be here. I really get what they're trying to do, and I'm going to be a part of it. And it, it has created a company whose values overshadow everything and the profits came along you know zig ziglar i'm a big zig ziglar fan you know and he says if you help enough people get what they want you'll all, you'll eventually get what you want and zappos is an example of that yes they had their struggles they almost went under a couple of times trying to do what they do but over the long term they are now a very vibrant company a very profitable company and that just really tells you that if you put the customer first if you do whatever you know create that raving fan in the long run you'll win and we need to understand that that in this changing economy in this changing marketplace where feedback is immediate with social media you know you can be panned real fast but you can also be praised real fast and <clears throat> customer service is at a is at a higher priority 
for, for ultimate success than it's ever been. And what's sad is that that achieving great customer service is probably at a lower place than it's ever been by and large in the marketplace. That's why companies like Zappos are seen as an anomaly. What they're doing should not be the, should not be the exception, but should be the rule. And this book will help inspire any business leader to, to see how over the long run, how customer service can help you win. Well, now it's a challenge. I'm going to challenge everybody that's listening to this podcast and Maybe you can pick this up and, and share it with other people too, but will you accept the challenge of creating raving fans, super people that just love to do business with you? Will you talk to your entire staff? Will you uh, conduct meetings like David has done here in his business and talk about how are we going to, to win over our clients with this and have them walk away with this, this warm, fuzzy little feeling that it's wonderful to do business here and I bet you they'll pick, they'll go tell somebody else, recommend your company, but it's going to be up to you. Will you do this? Yes. And let me also encourage you read readers are leaders and leaders are readers. And you may feel like that you have all the experience in the world to be able to do what you do. But let me tell you, I have learned so much. I'm 45 years old and I, I made a, a deliberate and intentional decision to begin reading business books about five years ago. And I have learned more in the last five years than I ever did in the previous 40. Yes, books sometimes are tough to get through. Yes, we are all busy. But let me tell you, you'll make priority for what's important. You'll make time for what's your priority. And if your business is a priority, then you as a leader have an obligation to improve yourself and apply what you've learned. One, uh, I'll leave you with this last quote, which I heard uh, many years ago, and I preached this to my sales staff, and it doesn't matter if you're in sales or not, and it was that knowledge is power. And I kept sell telling my sales staff, you need to, we're going to be the most powerful group in town. We're going to learn everything. We're going to read. We're going to uh, uh, spend money to make ourselves better and better. Two points afterwards, afterwards I read another quote about knowledge is power, and this fellow said, no, knowledge is not power. Knowledge is opportunity. Knowledge is potential. Applied knowledge is power. Wow. After think about that, we can read all the books in the world, but if we don't take the information, process it, and do something about it, put it into uh, action, it doesn't mean anything. The other Research I read recently, 10%, only 10% of salespeople are prepared to invest money in their career. Hmm. They're fine with you. I'm pointing at Dave as the owner of this business. You're, they're fine with you paying for something they have to do and mandating that you got to go to the seminar, which you guys did a couple of weeks ago. But all, but salespeople, less than 10% of salespeople will invest in themselves and go out and buy this book or that book or this story. Uh, and it's really sad, but that's where we're at. And if you're the salesperson listening, or if you're the GM listening, both of you need to go out there and get a book. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of biz tools podcast. Remember you spell biz B I Z. We hope you found the information today to be useful for your business. If you have any questions, please post them 
in the comment section of the show notes. We'll do our best to answer them. Well, if there are questions, you're answering them. Dave is answering them. They never come to, to me. What's up with this? <laughs> well, to be honest with you, we haven't had very many. Oh. So, but the show notes for this and all of our episodes are available at biztoolspodcast.com. You can also subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. And if you have an iPhone and don't really know how to subscribe to the podcast, we've posted a helpful video to show you how. And it's also at biztoolspodcast.com. We'd love for you to rate our, podca- our podcast on iTunes so that more people will know about it. So until next time, read something. Yes, and remember that applied knowledge is power. Be the leader you were always meant to be. So long, everybody.